Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence, olympic-buildings.ca. And JGL Commodities, proudly serving Saskatchewan agribusinesses for over 40 years. Looking to market your grain? Call JGL Commodities today, 306-624-2378. Entries open today for Canadian Western Agribition's virtual purebred beef show. The show will be held in a video online format this year because of COVID-19. CEO Chris Lane says the virtual show will include 11 breed shows, ending with the naming of a Supreme Championship in late November. We've got a a series of online and virtual uh, purebred cattle shows here that we're pretty excited to kick off today. And and the idea is, is that uh, just like Agribition, each breed will have its uh, own virtual show. And then uh, also just like Agribition, uh, there'll be a Supreme. So the champions of those breeds will compete virtually um, at the end of it all. How many breeds and entries do you have so far? Well, we've just started. So we're just, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of tallying them as they come in. and and uh, But we'll have all the major breeds, all the uh, all the 11 breeds that you see at Agribition, um, uh, we've worked with their associations. We've worked with uh, others in the purebred cattle industry to make sure that anybody who wanted to compete this way certainly has the option, and um, that's what we're seeing. And so I think I'm hopeful that uh, we'll see a lot of the top competitors from uh, from Agribition and really the, the cattle show circuit in Canada uh, compete here. Um, but I'm also interested to see... Uh, whether or not we see any new competitors who might not always have the chance to be at Agribition and whether uh, they find an avenue uh, into Agribition this way. So it'll be interesting. Is there any limit on the number of entries and when will you announce the winner? The winners are going to be um, judged and then we're going to release the champions as close as we can to when they're normal show dates would have been at Agribition. So it'll be uh, near the end of November, third week in November, uh, we'll take sort of what would have been our normal show schedule for the week and then try to release the winners in each of those breeds on their corresponding show day. Uh, so that's really the plan and then we'll uh, take those champions and put them together and they'll be judged by a different panel of Supreme Judges uh, that week as well. So the entries open on Tuesday and they close, I understand, October 22nd. How does this whole system work? Well, it is a little bit different. I think, you know, that's one of the things that we had to design and build. And we talked to some exhibitors about it. And we talked to some breed associations about the way this would work. And really what we're looking for is uh, exhibitors to take 45 second to a minute video of their animal on a halter and, you know, and really move the animal around so that they just can get a good look at it, uh, how it moves. 
They can get a good look at how it stands and really, you know, see all the things uh, as best they can that they would normally see in a show ring. And once those videos are uploaded and all the data per exhibitor is uploaded, a panel of judges will have a look at each entry uh, and then and then place them just like they would in a show ring. How effective can an online show like this be? How widespread area can you reach? Well, that's one of the real advantages about this is that I think you know, you're not dealing with the limits of geography or time that you might otherwise deal with in a in a live show scenario. I think it's important, though, to to keep in mind that you know none of this is meant to replace the experience of being live at Agribition or any cattle show for that matter. What we're really hoping to do is maintain interest and competitive ability in our exhibitors and the industry so that when we're able to come back next year uh, in full force and the entire cattle show circuit is back in full force, that we've still maintained that interest and hopefully given these exhibitors this year an avenue to market their program because, you know, we know full well that, you know, just because COVID might have stopped our event, it certainly doesn't mean that the purebred industry has stopped doing what it needs to do. And Agribition's real advantage or its real purpose is to make sure that we're platforming and showcasing these exhibitors uh, and the programs. So we still feel that through this virtual and online system, we can put you know, Canada's best purebred cattle in front of buyers from all over the continent and around the world. I understand you've also got a junior spotlight show and a commercial cattle show as part of the virtual events. Well, that's correct. We're doing uh, uh, junior events, you know, much like the Evolution Series virtual show that we were just talking about. And of course, a, you know, a, a big part of Agribition is always giving space uh, and encouragement to the juniors and the up-and-comers. So we're going to do that as well, and it's going to operate in a very similar way. And the commercial cattle sale is actually, uh, uh, we're going to have live animals partnered up with John Stone's Auction Mart and Moose Jaw. So later in November, there will be, through our commercial exhibitors, uh, an Agribition branded and promoted uh, commercial cattle sale. But of course, following all the COVID rules, so a lot of the action on that sale will be online. And that's November 28th at Johnstone Auction Mart? That's correct. Now, are there more events coming? Yeah, Jim, I would say that we've got a few more that we're sort of developing and, and ready to roll out as the fall goes on. I think it was a, a pretty big change for us over the summer to realize that we wouldn't be working towards a live aggravation event, but you know, the entire organization turned pretty quickly and decided that there were some key things that we felt that we could do and needed to do and restructure them virtually. So we've got a few more things coming. I think, you know, we're going to be doing something for rodeo fans. We're going to be doing something that's across all of agriculture. Uh, That should be pretty exciting. And details on those as we get further into fall. And once again, Chris Lane says the deadline for entries is October 22nd. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. And the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Helping farmers succeed. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. High moisture is the top canola storage risk this year in northern and some central areas where there's still quite a bit of canola left to combine. Angela Brackenreed is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. Folks want to get that crop off uh, and in the bin where it's not exposed to some of this volatile weather that we've been experiencing the past few years. So they're taking it off higher moisture than they maybe would in the past. And high moisture is probably the number one contributor to to spoilage in storage. The ideal moisture is 8%, but farmers should consider moisture and temperature together. For example, 8% moisture is still too high if the grain temperature is 25 degrees Celsius or more. 
while 10% is probably low enough if the grain temperature is cooled to 5 degrees or less. Any um, variation in the bin can lead to convection currents and formation of, of hot spots. So really what we're trying to accomplish when we condition the grain in the bin is creating uniform conditions, removing some of those temperature fluctuations that occurred because of the differences in weather that we've been seeing. Green seed may be an issue in immature or hail damage crops hit by hard frosts earlier this month. We don't have great research on this, but a rule of thumb is for every percentage increase in green seed, we want to reduce that safe storage time by 5%. So Grains Canada, for instance, has these really nice charts that show you at this temperature and at this moisture, this is your period of safe storage for canola. So if you've got elevated green counts, you can use that chart and then kind of use that 5% rule to see, well, how long will this particular canola be safe in that bin? Additional canola storage tips can be found at canolawatch.org. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Joining us right now to talk all about the currency market, it is Matthew Pot of Grain Perspectives. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm good, son. How are you today? Doing fantastic, man. Doing fantastic. Okay, what about this Canadian dollar? We're back to pretty much the level that I think a lot of cur- currency analysts thought we would kind of hover around the, the bulk of the year. That Now, that was pre-COVID. That was at the beginning of the year in January. We're at 75 cents. Is, is this where we ought to be? You know, when it's interesting that you say that, Sean, because when you look at like the Canadian dollar, the question is, what's its biggest influence? It's risk on and risk off, right? And if you follow the U.S. equities, in fact, if you put the S&P closing values and the Canadian dollar closing values every day up against each other, you're going to have an 87% correlation between the two. And that type of relationship does not exist as much with um, other factors that people think are dominant factors, such as crude. So the Canadian dollar is just looking at risk on, risk off right now. So that that seems to me kind of unusual because usually we talk about, you know, the price of crude, things like that as an indicator of the direction of the Canadian dollar, not the S&P 500. What 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 does that tell us about the what how currency traders are thinking right now? It's when it comes down to, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the US dollar as well, right? The US dollar has a lot of questions right now from its true value and um how valuable it is as a um, as a safe haven as well. So there's lots of questions on the U.S. dollar, but when you look at like the Canadian dollar over top of the U.S. dollar, you're looking at a currency where the market is basically betting. You know, when we look at that 68 cents that we saw in March on, that, on those lows there, when the stock market was collapsing, um, that just was a very dark, gloomy risk um, risk off type of trading market, right? So when you look at the Canadian dollar, what that's telling us right now is that the Canadian dollar is going to respond to the broad global risk of, um, of the global economy, I guess you could argue, right? And, and rightfully so, because we are a trade economy. So should we focus more, when we're, when we're thinking about the direction of the Canadian dollar, should, should we focus more on those factors impacting the U.S. dollar or the factors that are impacting the Canadian dollar? And, and some of those are the same, but don't get me wrong, but... 
there there are some unique characteristics to, to each market. Right, and that's why I would argue um, right now. When I, right now, the way and this has been the case since March, in my opinion, is that you have to really look at the U.S. dollar. I mean, in the short term, when you look at the Canadian dollar, in my opinion, we're going to follow the risk on and risk off that sentiment. And for the most part, in my view, if um, equities fall, the Canadian dollar is just going to lose some value. And if they all of a sudden rebound again, the Canadian dollar is going to rebound. And, you know, that might be something that puts a little bit of lid on the Canadian dollar for the time being anyways, is the fact that we posted new historical highs on like the S&P after, well, in the events of COVID where we saw lockdowns. And a lot of that has to do with federal reserve money, right? And so it's, it's like, what's the cause and effect of that whole relationship? And a lot of it, at the end of the day, is going to have to do with the Federal Reserve, and that's going to continue to be a, a large factor. The amount of money that has been printed, the size of that balance sheet, and um, all these other long-term effects on the currency, that we don't, we don't know where that's going to go yet, right, Tom? Yeah, well, we, we don't, and we also have a, a U.S. election coming up here on November 3rd. I think it's a very close race, by the way, but I think potentially we also have the situation where we could have a Biden presidency and, and a lot of, I think, unclear answers on what a Biden presidency would mean for Canada-U.S. trade because the Democrats are talking just about as much about protectionism as the Republicans are. Whether you like Trump or not, you know who Trump is, you know what kind of president that he is. We don't know what Biden's going to necessarily do and what his policies are. And what I mean by that is not just the trade relationships between Canada and the U.S. And you question, well, what could that mean to equities? What does a Biden election mean in the longer run to the U.S. dollar, right? Right now, we can talk about the risk on and off. But when you look at the Canadian dollar two years out, you have to ask yourself, where's the U.S. dollar going to be? It's going to be interesting, I guess. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot for joining us here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. Cheers. Hey, check out more from Matthew Pott. A great daily newsletter. He's got some great, great visuals to put all of it into a visual perspective. Go to grainperspectives.com. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton and Watrous, New Holland. Working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather for today. Increasing cloudiness this afternoon. Hazy sky. The high 24. 60% chance of showers overnight and the low 9. Tomorrow cloudy, 60% chance of showers in the morning, clearing in the afternoon. The high 20 for Wednesday, the low 8. Thursday, partly cloudy and windy, the high 25, the low 8. Friday, sunny, the high 21, the low 7. Saturday, sunny, the high 20, the low 7. Sunday, Partly cloudy, the high 18, the low plus 5. Monday, partly cloudy and the high 17 degrees. Normal high is 16, the normal low is plus 2 for this date. The sun rose at 645 this morning. It sets at 657 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Cornac, south of Moose Jaw, southwest of Regina Bit, 25 degrees. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay, at 9 degrees right now. The hot spot, once again, 
Kornak at 25. Esteban almost there at 24.6. Esteban is unofficially 25. Saskatoon 18. Swift Current 17. Weyburn 23. Yorkton 22. Cloudy in Regina 20. That's 68 Fahrenheit. Winds from the northwest at 18. Humidity is 44%. The barometer rising 101.5. Cloudy in Moose Jaw 18 degrees. Winds are from the northwest at 18. Once again, Regina cloudy in 20. That's 68 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com A new report from Saskatchewan Agriculture raises concern about the movement of noxious weed seeds. Hilary Lushinsky is the Agri-Environmental Specialist with the Ministry of Agriculture in Humboldt. With hay starting to move around the province, it's a good time to think about those noxious weeds hitchhiking their way onto your operation with hay being brought in. Invasive species are damaging to the ecosystem because they outcompete and choke out native vegetation that is needed for wildlife habitat, food for pollinators, and cycling of water and nutrients. In hayland and pastures, invasive species replace desirable forage species, resulting in fewer bales per acre or fewer animals that can be grazed. Whether you're the buyer or the seller, preventing the spread of invasive species is in your best interest. Prevention, early detection and control, and managing existing infestations are key for an effective weed management plan. Keeping your equipment clean as it moves from field to field is also important, especially if you're haying ditches, custom haying, or hauling. There's a wide variety of resources and events available to help you learn weed identification and control methods. Staying in contact with your local RM and your local Ministry of Agriculture regional office is a great way to keep updated on what invasive species are in the area and to help you identify unknown plants. They can also work with you to develop a plan for control and or eradication of infestations. The Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture has 10 regional offices across the province. To learn more about weed control or where your closest Ministry of Agriculture regional office is, contact the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377. This has been Hilary Luchinski, Agri-Environmental Specialist with the Ministry of Agriculture in Humboldt. And back in a moment. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And the REMAX Crown Realty Ag Team of Marcel de Corby and Graham Toth. Online at landforsalesask.ca. We continue our look at food trends in the time of COVID-19. University of Guelph professor and research innovator Dana McCauley says the coronavirus has prompted more cooking and working at home as consumers try to conserve money. She adds consumers are buying more food from local sources. And she says some people have taught themselves how to make preserves. McCauley thinks this is going to continue, especially as we get into the fall and winter. COVID coupled with the wildfires in California will most likely have us looking elsewhere for produce and other items we normally get from that U.S. state. To 
there's a real push for people to be more more self-sufficient in their own area. So yes, greenhouse and other types of contained growing is a, definitely a trend to watch. Now, does it mean that uh, we're going to have kind of the staples that, say, our parents and our grandparents had as far as vegetables and fruits are concerned, or can we still reach for those kind of exotic items? Well, I think we're so trained as a society now to expect our eating to be what we want it when we want it. We're we're not used to compromising, and I think an an all an all turnip diet and an all beaten cabbage diet of veggies over the winter would, you know, kind of kind of fall flat in most families. So <laughs> I do think that we'll continue to buy some imported items, and and that you know we we kind of have to here in Canada, given our our growing cycle. But I also think that wherever possible, we're going to see people trying to to make choices that are more local and and more things that they can they can count on but you know we also have eggs and meat and dairy and processed value added products that we grow you know like pulses and lentils and all other types of amazing prairie grains and uh, legumes that can get us through the winter and really everybody loves to share their recipes so there's no there's no end in sight to what you can do with all these items that's a good point. There's always somebody inventive out there to <laughs> give you some inspiration. And, and certainly social media makes that easier than ever before for these little micro trends to, to pick up and, and, and take off. And, and that's kind of exciting as someone who watches food trends to see the true pull of, of Canadians as opposed to what food writers and experts think people are going to want that, you know, traditionally we would push out through magazines. Now we're actually seeing that groundswell and that was so evident during COVID with the sourdough trend <laughs> and with the sprouting your scallions and sprouting your, your all of your used veggies in, in, you know, little cups and jars on your windowsill back in March. So what what do you see for the future then? Because like you said, you, you follow so many things, you you watch how things are, are working. Is there anything unusual that you're expecting, you know, kind of down the road? Not necessarily unusual, but I am expecting people who market food to, to put some tweaks on the messaging that's on packages and, and in their, their advertising. So, for instance, if something was positioned like, say, you know, orange juice as, you know, just being generally good for you and, and fighting the common cold in the past, I think now you'll see words like immunity popping up because, of course, we're all very conscious of not getting sick and staying strong. So I think immunity and, 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 and claims like that that have to do with, with staying healthy will be really popular in the next couple of years, at least until we have a vaccine and, and maybe beyond. And I think we're going to see the rise of the value consumer. We are all keen to, you know, maximize the, our buying power, but we don't really want to trade down, as I said, about the, you know, the getting dependent on imported exotic fruits and vegetables. So we're going to see more stores, you know, shifting towards that of the ultra premium, which was very popular the last, you know, five to 10 years to more of the, you know, have your cake and eat it too type of, of positioning. So I think, you know, the, the trends, 
it kind of makes sense to me uh, when you stand back and look at, you know, even an, one individual's household. We all want to be healthy and we all want to be still living in our houses and maintaining our lifestyles by the time this crisis ends. That's University of Guelph research innovator Dana McCauley talking with Cheryl Brooks, talking about food trends for the short-term future of Canadians. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of September 22nd. Weyburn had a regular sale on September 16th. The market on slaughter cattle has dropped off a bit, as it usually does this time of year. Hefferet sold from $1 to $1.10. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.73 cents to $0.83. Cents. D3 cows sold from 6 65 cents to 72 cents. Counter cows sold from 50 cents to 60 cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.10 to $1.20. We had a pre-sorted yearling sale on the 14th. The market on yearlings has been strong. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $1.98 and sold up to $2.11. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $1.97 and sold up to $2.11. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $1.89 and sold up to $2.00 and three cents and steers over 900 pounds averaged a dollar 75 and sold it to a dollar 85 heifers were about 15 to 20 cents back from the steers this has been stephanie dag reporting from the weyburn livestock exchange the market that gets cattle and the prices too now the latest saskatchewan pork prices this is the hams market commentary for monday september 21st hams sold 5600 hogs friday selling a range of 162 to 190 per ckg Today's sales are expected to be around 7,400 head, selling at a range of 164 to 193 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the week ending Saturday, September 19th are Ole West 2020 contract, 150 even, Ole West 2021 contract, 172 even, Maple Leaf Sig 4, 156.87, Ham's Cash, 154.87, Thunder Creek Brickle, 147.74, High Life Cash, 169.02, and High Life Contract, $186.69 per CKG. Hemp's cash hog price today is mixed, and four contract prices open lower this morning. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca The Saskatchewan government says $34 million has been approved to support the oil and gas service sector for the site closure program. The program was launched in May and is designed to help the struggling oil and gas service sector and clean up old oil well sites. The program continues to approve new work projects and over a two and a half year period will access up to $400 million in federal and provincial funding to deal with up to 8,000 inactive wells. About $4.4 million in work has been completed to date. Cleanup has been completed at 172 well abandonments, 312 well reclamations, 41 facility decommissions and 38 flow line abandonments. 
The Saskatchewan government is partnering with First Nations entrepreneurs to develop a new road sign delivery program. The province has reached an agreement with Sage Roadway Signs, a division of Saskatoon-based J&E Welding, to supply highway traffic signs. It's part of a six-month pilot project. The project will provide the ministry with more than 3,000 road signs, including 500 stop signs and 80 deer crossing signs. GNE Welding was founded in 1980 and provides custom fabrications to mining, oil and gas, oil sands, and utility industries in Saskatchewan and Alberta. GNE employs more than 140 people, many of whom identify as Indigenous. The province repairs or replaces about 13,000 road signs a year and has a total of 120,000 across the province. The province is improving more than 1,000 kilometres of provincial highways this year, the first of its 10-year growth plan to build and upgrade 10,000 kilometres of highways. Another $300 million will be spent over two years on thin membrane surface upgrades, passing lanes and improvements to municipal roads and airports. On the markets, the energy and telecommunications sectors help lift Canada's main stock index in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets were mixed. The TSX Composite Index was up 63 points at 16,045. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 77 points at 27,070. The Canadian dollar traded at 75.10 cents U.S. compared with 75.23 cents Monday. The November crude oil contract was up 9 cents at 39.63 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at one. 45 this afternoon and an agri-news report at 3:45 p.m. Tomorrow morning there's another agri-news report at 6:45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.